I'm here. Good day from Las Vegas. Welcome to Vegas Sports Talk. I'm your host, New Orleans Mark. On today's show, we will touch on week two in the NFL, and then we will get get to week three. You can follow me on Twitter at the Nolans Cajun, T-H-E-N-A-W-C-A-J-U-N. You can also catch me on YouTube. Just search New Orleans Mark Vegas. You can listen to my podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, and many others. And you can also listen to me on the Inside New Orleans radio show hosted by Eric Asher on 106 FM, WRKN New Orleans, and also on iHeartRadio every Friday at 6.15 Central. Okay, so let's get to it. In week two, it was it was a tough one. <laughs> what can you say? I went 0-2 in the NFL, 0-1 in college. Puts me 1-3 on the year and 1-2 on the year in college. But, you know, hey, this is week three coming up. Not a problem. And today we're going to do the show. We've got a couple of guests today. Our first guest is going to be, we'll do the whole show, is going to be Dave Menina. Dave, how's it going? Very good, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem, not a problem. So, so just give me your take on the first couple of um, first couple of weeks of the season in week two last week. What, what have you seen so far? Oh, what I've seen so far, Mark, is the value, and I'd say it's the absolute value of when you're handicapping week to week. You have to have a vision of where do you think these teams are going. There's certainly games that we've seen some upsets to this point in the season when we fast forward to Thanksgiving, we're going to say, hey, was that an upset? Absolutely not. So I think it's very important to keep the context of where do you think a team is going? Are they stable coaching? Are the coaches on the hot seat? Is the quarterback facing a quick cook? Uh, Certainly injuries have played a huge part. I'd say you could make a case that six of the ten best football players in the NFL are going to be missing significant time. I mean, it's heartbreaking seeing a guy like Saquon Barkley go out, uh, Nick Bosa as well. I mean, these are some of the best guys at their position already. They've made such an impact in such a short period of time. It's really unbelievable. And then you also have a guy like Drew Locke who has an injury that is probably going to hamper him a good bit this season in a year where – I'd say he would probably work his way into being considered in the top half of quarterbacks in this league. And uh, that injury there might also spell some trouble for his coach, Vic Fangio, who I do not think can handle. <laughs> I just don't think he can handle it. The guy's already had enough bad luck. Von Miller's out for Denver. And, uh, the, and that's another one right there, another bad injury. And that's the part that really stands out for me. And uh, going forward, I think the vision for where do you expect teams to go, it's a, it's key as we handicap at this point in the season. Yeah, I think this this I think with this coronavirus virus, 
you know, it's speeded up the process. I mean, usually they go through training camp and then you got your three or four preseason games, to, you know, to help get the body in shape and football shape, to help the speed and the timing. And, you know, this year they just came right out of practice, right onto the field. And I think injuries is playing a big part with some of these injuries. It's not sure right now. You know, their their buys are just not ready for it. You know, it's obviously hurting some teams. Um, I thought it would... I was curious to see how it would affect the home field advantage and the road road travel and all that. And I really don't see too much of an advantage. It seems like the better teams are winning the games. And no matter crowd or no crowd, the better teams, you know, looks like they're winning. So um, this week, you know, we got some good matchups this week. We got, um, I think we got the, you know, Raiders at the Patriots, Rams at the Bills. You know, another big matchup we're going to have is um, Monday night Chiefs and Ravens. We also have the Saints-Packers on Sunday night. Uh, Dallas goes to Seattle. Uh, give me your take on some of these games, you think. Well, of that Dallas-Seattle game, I think it's going to be the most interesting of what matchups you mentioned because I think we're going to actually see a result that is uh, indicative of, as I mentioned, where do these teams go in the season? And I think I'm going to say with Dallas and Seattle, as you mentioned, the home field advantage being nothing other than waking up in your own bed the night before. We're going to see that here. It's a four and a half point spread. I think considering the kind of game Seattle had that really wore them out, it was very much a victory that Certainly you needed it. Uh, Russell Wilson had to feel good to beat Bill Belichick again. Although when you get down to it in the one game they played against each other, that really counted. He didn't get the W. But he's gotten them in all the others. So that's something there. But as far as the Cowboys go, I think although a poor performance by everyone for the most part other than the kicker when you get down to it, was just an Atlanta Falcons implosion, which we've seen many of. Uh, I think the Cowboys kind of got a confidence boost out of that game along with the victory. Just something to feel good about. Certainly, uh, you watch the film, and, you know, there'll be times for each guy to hang their head a little bit. But getting that win, doing it in such a delirious way as they did, is going to benefit them. And then making the longest road trip that they're going to make of the season going up to Seattle. I think they're going to benefit them getting four and a half points. It's a little surprising to me. I'd have to say, I think it's a three point game. So I'm going to go with Dallas plus the four and a half. And I would say when you look at what these teams have done to this point, I measure it as the Cowboys in week one essentially played their game and even match up with the Rams on the road. They lost by three last week. They didn't play their game. They really got one sort of handed to them. I think this week you're going to see a reflection of the real Dallas Cowboys come out and play. I think they're about equal in most cases to Seattle. Uh, both sides of the ball, the home field advantage is not going to be there. The 12th man's not going to be there. To me, that moves that number, my handicap, and from four and a half to three, I'll gladly take the Cowboys at the four and a half with no problem uh, that 
Chiefs and Ravens game, I'm going to dig a little deeper on both teams, so I'm going to save that for a bit because I'll kick it back to you right now, Mark, to set that Yeah, up. so, I mean, with the Seattle game, you know, I gave out – you know, I gave out to some people. I like Seattle Monday night. I mean, probably with Seattle is they play a lot of close games and probably should have probably should have lost that game against New England if they don't go to the well, you know, eight, you know, eight ten times with that um, Cam Newton quarterback keeper and, you know, Seattle was looking for it, so – the Williams could have easily, um, you know, should have probably should have won that game. And getting to that, um, my next my next guest, he's going to join in with us right now. Who actually had a big interest in that game, um, Seattle and um, New England. Uh, Steve the Shrimp Man. Steve, what's going on? How you doing, Bob? Thanks for having me. Hanging in there. You got it. You got it. Well, you had a big interest in that game. I know you had Seattle bet, and I know you were on the edge of the seat either biting your fingernails or throwing stuff, wondering if they were going to blow that game and New England was going to actually score that last play. And, I mean, I know when I saw the formation, I said to myself, I'm like, there's no way they're going to do this again. I figured they might maybe fake something to the line, throw it over the top like they did. But they went ahead and ran it. Seattle was sitting there waiting for them. So how was your feeling when you when you saw them break the huddle? I thought I was dead. I was actually kicking the dog and they throw decide to throw the ball 40 yards. I mean, that's just, I mean, Seattle's a great team. They got probably one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. But that team just seems to make the worst decision at the most crucial times of the game when they decided to throw the ball for the I mean, how do you make these calls when you have Marshall and Lincoln? I mean, now they got a pretty good back in this ball. I mean, I mean, I understand that it's continue to just run the ball. But what's wrong with like a little three-yard, four-yard pass or a little quarterback out the tight end? Something, you know, something simple. I mean, a 40-yard pass is a low percentage play. I don't care if the team's wide open. You still got to hit him. I mean, you still got to catch him. So that was just – I thought I was dead when they did that. And then when they got to the point, I mean, everybody in the world knew they were going to run Cam Newton there. But, I mean, you still got to – gamble because you don't know what lane he's going in but just fortunate that they guessed right you know, and, you know. yeah i thought um yeah i thought like i said when they come out in a tight tight formation i thought they would maybe send some guys out flat and but they didn't so that one's history and you know i see the as far as dallas is this week against them you know i just see a lot of holes in dallas's defense and it just – I just don't see them, you know, stopping, you know, Seattle. I, you know, I don't think they can – I don't – you know, Seattle's really not supposed to be a scoring team, but I don't see how Dallas stops them. I mean, Seattle, at least they're consistent. And Dallas's line has gotten a little old. And, you know, Dak Prescott, I'm not a big Dak Prescott fan. I mean, I just think he's too inconsistent. He makes some bad decisions and bad throws. So – you know, we'll see what happens with that. Um, you know, we have the um, the Chiefs and Ravens is, and the Saints. Let's go over the Saints and Packers here. Saints coming off that Monday night loss with the Raiders. Bad spot for the Saints. Having to travel to Vegas. Raiders' first home game. And their first, you know, in their new stadium and their new city. And just wasn't a good situation for New Orleans. And Thought they played a little, little sluggish. 
you know, really, really didn't look like they wanted to maybe be there, but hung in there for a while, and, you know, Raiders just got the best of them. So they coming back home. I don't know whether they were looking ahead to Monday night with this, I mean, Sunday night with this Packer game. But, I, you know, I, I think the Saints will be ready for Green Bay. I don't know what to do with Michael Thomas is with his injury. But, you know, Green Bay has played good the first couple of weeks, I think. The um, I think the Saints might be the side in this one. What do you think on that, Dave? Well, well I, tell- I heard something today. Uh, well, is it? I heard something today that Michael Thomas's doctor is the same doctor that's Green Bay's team doctor. So that's a little that's oh, a little God. intriguing there. So he's going to have to get clearance to play. But I mean, look, I don't think it matters. I mean, I think of course they won, but I I just believe you know I've told you this many times. No team is as good or bad as they looked the previous week. People see a team play, have a bad game, and they write them off. They see a team have a great game like Green Bay did against a counterfeit Detroit team, and they put them in the Super Bowl. Look, I've been to, New- I've been to the Saints games, primetime games. Now, granted, they're not going to have fans there, but I don't know if they're going to be pumping noise in. But the Saints are very hard to beat the Super Bowl on Sunday and Monday night. It's just a- – and it's just electric, but like I said, they're not going to have fans. I understand that, but I think it's also a mindset. You know, these teams know that they're supposed to defend their, their home turf, whether they got fans or not. And I just feel like the Saints are going into this game feeling like they're supposed to win, and they don't care what they saw Green Bay do Detroit. And I was actually at a primetime game. I don't know if I think it was like two or three years ago, and uh, we beat Green Bay. I mean, we beat the dog snot out of them. I mean, it was just – it was an embarrassment. We made Aaron Rodgers look so bad in the game. And uh, I just think the Saints went into a trap. I mean, they would – I think the Raiders may have beat any team in the league. Opening their new stadium, they had the home cook and the officials. I mean, look, the Saints, it wasn't a good spot for the Saints. And then they knowing they got Green Bay coming up. It was just a trap game. I mean, and Green, like I said, Green Bay beat a bad Detroit team. Everybody's getting on that bandwagon. Look, I think the Saints are the play in the game, hands down. I mean, it's a field goal. I think the line initially was like six a few weeks ago when they, in, in an early betting, six, six and a half, and now it's down to three. Normally when a line moves like that, you get you got to feel like you're getting value. So I think the Saints are the play in the game. I really do. All right, Dave, what do you think? Weigh in on this one. Well, the Saints, you'd have to bear with if I'm going to give analysis about them because I think there's long-term trends that are pushing them into what I would call the typical fade scenario, although I don't have it starting this coming week. But as far as the Saints, what they have right now, I think it's purely and simply an identity crisis. And I say that because I understand Drew Brees can still make the decisions He can see what he needs to do. I don't have any doubt about that. But just like an old boxer, they still see the opening, but they can't take advantage of the opening. And in a boxer's case, they always say the power is the last thing that leaves the fighter. So you have guys like George Foreman could still be a threat at the age of 44. But the truth is, I think the the league has figured out that Drew Brees is not the threat that he was very recently now at the age of 41. I think his career is going to come to a pretty bad end in one way or another. I hope he's not getting carried off the field. 
for the legacy that he's, he's created as the Saints quarterback. But I would have to say that it's really going to be up to Sean Payton these next several weeks to determine that he has the team on offense around Drew Brees to certainly change things and make things happen. Uh, the Saints team didn't look at throwing the ball down the field last year, and they won 13 games. Uh, if you remember, Ted Ginn essentially had to leave the team because he was aging number one, and he was honestly too fast for them to get him the football. So I think Sean Payton's going to incorporate smarter plays with Taysom Hill, Deontay Harris, and Alvin Kamara, and uh, maybe our guy Latavius Murray can be that bull they need him to be. But I think the long-term trend for this team is going in the opposite direction. I'll start going against this team pretty much after the bye week if Drew Brees gets that far. I think he's one hit away from being being done. And I'd like to, later in the broadcast here, I'd like to make some definitive statements how he ages with his skill set compared to how Tom Brady's aging with his and which guy can be more effective when you have to tell them, hey, you're about 80% of what you were, but you still have this, and now you don't have that, and this is how to approach it. But as far as this game, I'm not going to be making a play on this one. I think the number's very good at three. I think one thing we see with Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, you take all the great quarterbacks they have in this league at this moment that's still playing great football. Lamar Jackson, I put Aaron Rodgers there. Russell Wilson. Uh, of course, Russell Wilson brings a focus that's uncanny in the league. I think week in, week out, Aaron Rodgers has that now. If it's the bitterness about being replaced by a guy that would never reach his level of play in Jordan Love, if that's it, if it's the thoughts that, hey, we went 13-3 and three last year, I played not my best, but I got the job done, and you want to use a first round had to trade for on the quarterback of the future. He's thinking of the here and now. In a lot of ways, I'd have to say Aaron Brooks is, excuse me, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Man, I don't want to call him Aaron Brooks, but Aaron Rodgers is going to be the guy. <laughs> is going to be a guy that at the end of the season, if he stays healthy, he's going to be an MVP candidate. But as far as this game, I'd say I'd pass on it. Uh, the Saints, this is the kind of game Sean Payton has to start working out how he's going to approach this this season with Drew Brees being what he is and what he is not. I think you got to get involvement from Hill, from Deontay Harris. Kamara's got to be used effectively. Mike Thomas is the kind of guy that diminishing skills could still hit, but Mike Thomas is not there. I think Emmanuel Sanders was the second worst thing they did this offseason next to Reese Son and Andres Pete. These things are going to manifest themselves over the next several weeks of the season. So for this week, pump the brakes on fading the Saints for me. But if we're talking more long-term, you know, there's going to be a lot of money to be made on the very overvalued Saints team. But I'll pass on this week's play. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, my breakdown is this. You know, Breeze, yes, Breeze has lost some arm strength. and But the good thing is he hasn't taken a beating physically with his body in this league. So I think his body's fine. You know, his arm, he does it. He has lost some arm strength. Um, no, he can't sit. He can't do five and seven step drops to swing the ball 50, 60 yards down the field. But they can still stretch the field. You know, you could do a quick three, five step drop and just let it go as a timing route and still get it 45, 50 yards down the field 
which will keep the defense honest. Um, that offense, like I said, that offense has been so successful for so many years. And they still have that nucleus in place. Now, we are short maybe a good number two, number three receiver. Taysom Hill's been doing a decent job. Um, you know, Harris is coming along. We could probably use Harris more as like a Darren Sproles role. But, I mean, you know, I think that the offense really hasn't lost anything. The running game's good. Defense has improved. Um, I got a, like I said, I got a, I got a, an outlandish stat on the Saints that I've looked up. And the last three years in the month of October, the Saints are 12-0 and against the spread in October. And also the last three years, weeks three through weeks eight, that's six games a year. They are 18-0 and against the spread in that role. So, you know, I don't know why it happens, but it happens. And you have to take a good hard look at that trend. And like, you know, Steve said, and I think you mentioned it, you know, the Saints are ready for this game. And I think they'll play good enough. And I think the Saints Saints has decided to go. And I'm going to – I'm just telling everybody, I'm going to ride this trend for six weeks. And, you know, I don't see – I mean, I think at the worst – that I think the worst you'll go forward to, but this thing could go 6-0 and again. So we'll find out about it. So – Getting to the next game, let's break this one down. This will be our last game we'll break down. Then we'll talk about a little college after that. Um, Chiefs and Ravens Monday night. Steve, give me your take on this one. This is a tough one. Whoever gets the ball last wins. <laughs> well, I could have said that one better. You know, you're probably right. It, 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 I see it going back and forth. I mean, they got the, the Lions, the Ravens are – Ravens opened a one and a half point favorite up to three and a half. So they are betting the Ravens. And the, the total is about 52 and a half. And I don't really see any other thing to do but bet the over. I couldn't sit there. I couldn't sit in a chair and watch this game and try to pull for another one of these teams. So, yeah, I mean, I suspect the back and forth all game. Um, what do you think on this one, Dave? Well, I think these are two teams that you got another one. You got to look at where are they at now and where do I see them going. In this case, my bet is going to be with the team that I feel will get further in the And with that, I'm going to go up to Baltimore Ravens minus three and a half. At the end of last season, they were in a very bad matchup with the Tennessee Titans. And they were also doing it with a, a team that I didn't feel was mature enough yet to handle success. That came out pretty quickly once there was off season, and once they got in the training camp, you saw Earl Thomas do that team a favor, act erratically, and get cut. I think it's a perfect example of addition by subtraction. In the off season, Earl Thomas was making mention that they may have overlooked the Titans, which is honestly about the most immature thing possible a professional could ever say when. You're with a ball club that has gotten all the prestige from regular season play and still has not accomplished anything with the current core group of players in the playoffs. That first game that they played against the Titans, it should have been laser focused. There should have been nothing. You know, it should have been Apollo Creed and Rocky too, essentially saying, you know, this chunk don't belong going 
three rounds with me, and he's got a dog skull. Well, the one with the dog skull, and that one was Travis, excuse me, Derrick Henry. Man, I hate these guys that have these similar names. Derrick Henry, great. You know, the Earl Campbell of the modern NFL landscape. He's a guy that could get you, take you, get on his back. He can win games for you. And the truth is that Ravens team needed to be attacked in a way that the Tennessee Titans were tailor-made for. Ball control, beat them up at the line of scrimmage. Uh, it was immaturity and maybe embarrassment for these guys to be saying in the offseason they overlooked that opponent that was going to get their star quarterback his first ever playoff win. But I believe the refocus happened when Earl Thomas was cut. No shenanigans, just focus. John Harbaugh, in a lot of ways, is just a very humble, dutiful person, unlike his younger brother, Jim Harbaugh. Talk too much and calls themselves a jackhammer. So I think John Harbaugh's maturity in the team is starting to emulate that maturity. And I think Lamar, who's the most breathtaking speed we've ever seen for a quarterback, and those skills he has running the ball eliminate any he has throwing. I think he's working himself up to be in the middle of the pack as far as an arm talent in this league. And in his youth, that's plenty enough for this group. This team's mature on the other side. I think Andy Reid is in a situation where the quarterback that can mask his deficiencies as a coach. Andy Reid is never going to know how to control the clock. He's never going to know when to take timeouts. He's never going to know how to do any of these things. The guy's in his 60s. He's not changing. He is who he is. Last year, Patrick Mahomes was good enough late to make it where, you know, clock management wasn't even important. The 49ers folded. I think Pat Mahomes has a very bright future in this league. I think his skill set, I'll say it until I'm blue in the face, can mask the deficiencies of his coach. This is just the kind of game where this Ravens team is putting everything they got into it. Whether or not they should be approaching it that way, we'll find out at a later date. But the good thing for them is this is a week three matchup. If this was a week 11 matchup, I could see the outcome meaning more than good. This is like a Uh, we've lost you, Dave. So, yeah, I could tell it was going. Uh, his yeah. something. Well, let me. Ch- I'm going to chime in here. Um, I feel. I feel the. I feel the defense. I feel the defense. Hold on, there, Dave. Yeah, I got you now. We got you back. So. Yeah. Can you hear me now? All right. I wanted to say I'm going Ravens, to just so, the summary, I'm going Ravens minus three and a half. Long term, I feel they'll be better this year than the Chiefs. Mahomes can master the deficiencies that Andy Reid has in managing the clock. This is just the kind of game, it's the perfect storm by Baltimore. I think they probably won it by seven. I agree with Steve that the last team to get ball is going to have a very uh, good chance to win. And uh, I would... I would look at the score being something to the effect of 38-31. I expect Lamar Jackson to keep playing uh, just lights out, heads up, not taking big hits. And I even think Mark Ingram might uh, put something together. He's been a little gimpy. 
but he's in there. He'll do it. And uh, this team, this Ravens team is in good position. The maturity of that coach and of the team by dismissing Earl Thomas, they have no headaches. I think the Ravens are going to play well. They're going to get the I confidence th- thing well, going forward. I like the Ravens. The way I look at this game is, and I will I from a coach's standpoint, to me, which defense can contain the quarterback the best? You know, who could keep – I think the way to beat both of these teams and both these quarterbacks is you have to keep them in the pocket and you have to pressure them up the middle. You can't let them break the pocket. And I feel, I just got a feeling, I feel that Kansas City is going to come up with a scheme to give this, to give Lamar Jackson a little bit of trouble. You know, everybody knows what they have to do, but they don't, they cannot seem to find out or find a way to do it. And, you know, Mahomes, the thing with Mahomes is he can throw from the pocket and he's accurate and he's good. I'm still not sold on Lamar Jackson being a, a total pocket passer in the game without having to break that pocket. Yeah, he has made some good throws this year, don't get me wrong. But in a game like this, where you probably have two teams that technically sort of mirror each other, I think definitely Kansas City has the, has much more team speed than Baltimore does. And I think they're going to, Andrew Reed's going to try to put that to use this week. I I think they're going to try to con- – I think they will contain Lamar Jackson where they're going to mix in blitzes. Uh, they'll bring it they'll, – they'll probably – you know, both teams will probably play a dime package all game, keep those cornerbacks close to the line of scrimmage to run these guys down. But, like I said, I think the way to beat, you know, to beat th- these quarterbacks is to contain them, keep them in the pocket. I got to feel the Chiefs might get it done this Monday night. So, let's – I just, want to say something else. I just want to say something else about the game. I'm not making yeah. a pick on the game. I mean, I, I kind of lean towards the over. I think that's the right way to play the game. That is true. But, the over is the But, you know, long term, just like uh, Dave was talking about the Saints, long term, they're on their way down. And I get that. I know Drew Brees' arm has been showing weakness for a couple years now. But anyway, uh, I kind of want to – I think of – Baltimore is kind of like the Milwaukee Bucks of the NBA. I think that they're a team that's going to win a lot of games. They're going to probably win 13 games again this year. But when it comes down to the playoffs, they just can't win because they're depending on one guy to take them to the promised land. And that one guy always seems to falter in the playoffs. We've seen it with Giannis this year in the, in the NBA. And the Lamar Jackson, he just seems to, to dog it in the playoffs. If this was a playoff game. I'd want to bet my house on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs because he's just got so much more heart and the will to win than this Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's kind of a, you know, he's a showboat guy. He's not really – I don't think he – he really understands how to win the big games. And that's that's what you need to win a Super Bowl. So let's not put the Ravens in the Super Bowl yet. No, I mean, you know, we're not going to do that. It's just, you know, like I said, everybody's got a feeling on the game and – you know, we'll see what happens. It's going to be. Uh, well, well, I would say, Mark, let me jump in. I'd say what's happened with Lamar Jackson is I think he's gotten the right amount of schooling. And I, I think Lamar Jackson does have the focus. I mean, I, I see he's not, you know, he does the way he has to play, the breathtaking speed he's gotten thing. It, there's going to be flashy plays made with a guy like that. But I think when you look at him and you, go by each attribute a quarterback has that's going to 
make a guy a winner. The speed, I mean, he's the best has ever been. As simple as that. He, he is what to speed what Stephen Curry yeah. is to shooting the basketball. And then we have and then we have the feeding the defense and then the arm strength and things like that, the ability to find the weakness. I'd say he's working himself on, from that perspective into about the top half and maybe he's right in the middle for that. But having that speed that can break any play open is always going to keep the defenses honest. And I believe I just can't press hard enough on it. Getting rid of Earl Thomas was such an important thing for this team. It, it was so tremendous. And I think the team matured overnight when that happened. I think this team has a laser-like focus right now. I think that's what's going to carry them. There's certainly going to be some bumpy spots in the uh, in the season because when you have a guy like Lamar who's so great being able to run and then middle of the pack reading the D, although improving, you know, team by team, you're going to have the opportunity to kind of figure that out. And, uh, you know, if he was playing in a better division, you know, I'd say, hey, a team in the division would be a little more likely to do that. So there'll be some bumpy spots, but I think it's going to come down to matchups. I just can't trust Kansas City. I think they're going to win another one under Reed if he's hanging around. But I just can't trust Kansas City having to overcome season-wise, not necessarily this game, but having to overcome clear deficiencies in their coach, Andy Reed. And he's got a guy now that can mask a lot of them. But I just think when you have the point of attention being Andy Reed can never, he'll never know how to manage the club. It's just never going to happen. John Harbaugh is a little more of a student of the game with the background, having a brother who was a star athlete and he had to be the bookworm. I think that kind of meshes these two teams together. And I think it 50, 50 proposition and, and, and I'm going, I think they're going to be putting more into it, whether or not they should or not. I think it's very important that this is a week three matchup and not a week 13 matchup. Get the job done Monday night, whatever it is, you got to come right back. And that that's why I like them. But long-term, if this team can stay healthy, I, I will go ahead and say, I believe this Ravens team's a Super Bowl team. It's a very awkward off season. You know, the scouts and camps to handle guys like Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, who are still in some ways a little, still a lot of unknowns with them, even though they're already superstars. I think that's working to their benefit as well. Well, I think, like Steve said, I think the, to me the smart play is, I mean, it doesn't matter what side we like. To me the smart play is take the over, sit back, and pull for scoring, because that's probably what you want to see. So let's get over to college now. College is starting to pick up a little bit now. SEC, the SEC starts this week. So, what's going to happen as these teams with these layoffs? You know, I don't know how much they've been practicing. You know, everybody's really not in a normal schedule. So, um, you know, we have some good matchups this week. You know, we had a rivalry. We got Florida State's at Miami. We have... What else we have? We got Mississippi State at LSU, you know, Kansas State at Oklahoma, Georgia at Arkansas, Kentucky is at Auburn. Steve the Shrimp Man, I know you you are the college guru here when it comes to picking these games and cooking these parlays up. What do you see in this Saturday as far as matchups that you like? Uh, I have three games that I really like this week. Um, 
The first game I like a lot is uh, the Houston Cougars. I, I just think Dana Holgerson had a disappointing year last year. I think there was some problems with him and the quarterback. The quarterback, Derek King, transferred to Miami. But he did bring a backup quarterback in, and the, the kid got some experience and uh, threw for a lot of yards. And uh, I can they haven't played a game yet this year, but I think uh, Houston's loaded for bear. They got 19 returning starters. They're playing a weak North Texas team. They're at home. I just think the 21 and a half is you can just lay it and go to sleep. I, I just think they're going to crush this team this week. I really, that's probably my best play of the week. And I also like uh, two SEC dogs. Um, I love Mississippi State against LSU. LSU, you, you're getting that inflated number because they're the national champions. But, I mean, they've lost so much. They've lost the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, uh, a ton of returning starters. They got four players that decided they were sitting out this year because of the COVID. I mean, it's like a, it's a shell of the team that they had last year. They're laying 16 and a half points to a Mike Leach coach Mississippi State team. We know Mike Leach is going to score points. Um, he's bringing in K.J. Costello from Stanford, who's a season four-year quarterback. It's, at Stanford, he's going to be the starter. Um, I just think I, I wouldn't be sure. I would honestly not be shocked if Mississippi State comes up with the outright upset in this game. Oh. And uh, That'll make some folks very unhappy. And oh, I'm yeah. Gonna, and the third well, game I like a lot is uh, I like the Kentucky Wildcats going against Auburn. Uh, seven and a half, I just think it's too many. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be one of them games that comes down to the bitter end. Mark Stoops is a great coach. He knows how to manage, you know, a team. He's going to keep them in it. They got a lot of returning starters as well on both sides of the ball, offensive line, defensive line. Um, they, they have a quarterback that was injured last year. I believe his name is Wilson. He's, he uh, was 10-3 and three two years ago as the starter, Terry Wilson Jr. So they've got a lot of experience. I mean, just about at every position. And Auburn lost that NFL defensive line they had last year. I mean, they I think they had three or four guys go to the NFL off the defensive line. I mean, I know they got the, uh, the Knicks kid back at quarterback, and he showed some promise. But, I mean, what's, what does he have around him is the question. And I think seven and a half is just too many in this game. Yeah, I agree with you on Houston and Mississippi State. You know, I'm a little skeptical with Kentucky. I think all the points you made about Kentucky are good. It's just, you know, I got I got to sit and watch them once. I mean, they're walking into, a, into like a Lions den going into Auburn. And Kentucky has been competitive the last couple of years, and they, they have played some close games. You know, as far as the Houston game, yeah, I mean, I see a blowout there. You know, the Miami-Florida State game, you know, I like Miami. I mean, they showed me something against Louisville. I actually gave Louisville up. Miami just flat dominated them. And Miami's offense is going in all cylinders right now. I think Florida State's a little bit on the weak side. Ten and a half is a big number. You know, the money line might be a safer way to go there. As far as Mississippi State, LSU, great year last year, national champs, but they, they, they depleted. They lost everybody. Now, teams like LSU – and your Alabamas and the big schools, you know, they, you, you hear the cliche, they reload every year. Well, I'm sure LSU is going to reload, but the thing is, it's hard to reload with, you know, with, with, with 15, 16 guys. So, and, you know, we don't know what to expect from LSU. I think it's going to, you know, I think they'll be okay this year. I, 
you know, they they probably going to lose three, four, maybe three or four games at least. You know, every you know it's going to be a young, unexperienced team, and like you know, like Steve said, you know, um, Mississippi State's, you know, what's his name, coach again? I'm, Mike Leach. Yeah, Mike Leach. I mean, everywhere he's been, you know, he just he throws every play and wants to score 100 points. And I don't care who you are. If you can't play pass defense, you can't play pass defense. And he's going to press LSU's secondary, and he's going to make them make plays. He's going to put a lot of pressure on them. And unless LSU comes up with some defensive scheme to get back in the backfield, give the quarterback some fits. Um, but I don't see it happening. Plus, Mike Leach loves to have speed on his team. So, you know, who knows? Mississippi State could pull the upset. I mean, look, we've seen other things happen. So, um. So, Dave, anything else you want to weigh on? Yeah, I'll make, make one pick. Yeah, on? I'll make one pick, and then I'll dismiss myself. But a quick comment about LSU. Uh, some of the diehards that I know with the program, uh, alumni and boosters, they were really hoping Max Johnson was going to be the guy to get the start uh, for the opener here. And they kind of feel like Miles Brennan is getting it based on basically just being a good guy and not being too upset or disheartened about getting beat out by Joe Burrow. Because if we go back two years, that was actually a competition <laughs> in spring training, in the spring camp. Uh, Burrow and Miles Brendan, it was practically two weeks before the opener for the 2018 season when that decision was made. And a lot of folks were like, yeah, you know, well, Coach Joe just had to pick somebody and he chose Joe Burrow. Maybe he's got a little more of a top-end game than what Brendan has. Well, I think we would all be absolutely stunned if Miles Brennan is able to bring anything to the table like Joe Burrow does. But I would like to go in the direction for my pick here, and then I'll get off the cast for you and let you take over there, Mark. But I think in year two in college, we always see a guy either come up or fold. Last year, Willie Taggart, who I would said all the time on my show that I had on AM 1400, you know, most unqualified coach to ever have a uh, a job in a big conference, and somehow he got two of them consecutively. Oregon and the Florida State. He fell apart in year two, and I was shocked they got rid of him. I mean, it was a good move, but cut and bait quick. This year, I think we're going to see it from the other perspective. The Big Twelve, West Virginia, a guy that I'm very bullish on, Neil Brown. Got a quarterback, Jared Doge. I think it's a system guy. West Virginia's going into Oklahoma State plus seven. Uh, you know, a, a little bit of trouble we saw with Oklahoma State and relating to his players in the offseason. It might have been a little bit overblown with, what, with uh, what went on with Mike Gundy. But I think right here you got a team with maybe some question marks going up against the West Virginia team who I believe is fully united. I think they're buying in to the Neil Brown system that he brought over from Troy. Year two, I would have loved spring practice to be without limitations for this team, but being what it is, everybody's got the same playing field. I think West Virginia, good play plus seven and maybe even put a little bit on the money line. Thanks for having me on, Mark. I look forward to doing it with you next week. I'm going to get running. Yep, you guys have a good night. Steve, I enjoyed your analysis as well. Take care. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. So, Getting to that game, I mean, you know, Oklahoma State struggled last week. They quarterback and hurt in the first quarter. 
But, uh, you know, I felt last week, I mean, Tulsa's just not a good team. And I thought Oklahoma State, even with a backup quarterback, shouldn't have struggled at all like that. They should have they should have had points up in the high 20s, you know, low 30s and couldn't get it done. And, you know, maybe Dave makes a point with West Virginia, but we'll find out about that. I mean, well, Mark, I mean, when you're late 23, you know, you and your quarterback gets hurt on the third play of the game. You, you pretty much know where you stand. I mean, it, it's not a good feeling. I mean, I was hoping for a miracle, but I knew I was dead when that happened. I mean, yeah. we don't really know how much, how many reps the backup got. I mean, if he was prepared for the game, I mean, he may, he's going to definitely be more prepared for this game. I, I don't like to. I like to take a watch and see approach in a game like this to see, yeah. you know how the guy's going to look after he got a full week of practice. I mean, he may look the same. He may be better. But he did say one thing I do agree with. Neil Brown is a great coach. I mean, I liked him at Troy. And um, I think he's going to be a – I think he's going to win a lot of games at West Virginia and probably may end up getting a better job than that down the line. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to stay away from this game. I don't – I don't – I can't – definitely can't go with the Oklahoma State team that I bet on last week. And uh, (laughs) – but I'm not going to – I'm not going to try to go into Stillwater and beat them either because that's yeah. – I, I think uh, the defense did look pretty good, although it was against a weak team. But we'll see. I'm just going to take a, a watch-and-see approach on this game. Yeah, probably a good idea, and I agree with you on that one. We'll, see, we'll get to see what exactly what, what happens with Oklahoma State and what West Virginia is made of. So, well, we're going to come to our segment now everybody's been waiting for, the picks of the week. So how are we going to make money this week? Well, we didn't make any last week, but, hey, you know, it happens to everybody. They all well, have yeah. bad weeks. I'd rather have a bad week in week two than have a bad week in week 16 when it counts. So, we're going to start out with college here. Um, my, I'm only going to give one pick out, and I'm giving out Mississippi State plus the points, 17, 16 and a half. I just think it's going to be, you know, I, I don't want to use the word mismatch. I just think Mississippi State's, you know, LSU maybe they might have better players, maybe better athletes, but Mississippi State's gonna they're gonna be ready, and they will throw the ball and they will score points, and I think that's gonna be that's gonna be trouble for LSU. The pressure's gonna be on the off on the, on the defense this, this whole game, you know. There's no Joe Brady calling plays this year. Uh, Ensming I think's back calling plays and. He just can't call plays. He might have improved a little bit. You know, if I was him last year, I would have been sitting there with a notebook. And every play that Brady called, I would have been charting it down and why he did it. So, I don't know what's going to happen with the LSU offense this year. I just don't think Edsming is aggressive enough. You know, Miles Brennan, you know, it's going to be his first, you know, season of really getting some playing time. We don't know what's going to happen. And... You know, Mississippi State, they're gonna, they will press. They're going to press and pressure that, that LSU defense, especially that pass defense. So, you know, I think it's going to be a tight game. One shot me at Mississippi State one. I don't know if they can. You know, they have a better shot because there's no Tiger Stadium. There's no fans. There's no noise. There's no intimidation there. It's going to be whether it's an empty stadium and they might have 20,000 there. But I think – you know, Mississippi State, this is a good chance for them to make a statement and go in there and play this team tight. And LSU in the past has had – they've had games where they've had little letdowns against, 
you know, SEC teams that maybe they should have beaten but haven't. <laughs> and but I I like Mississippi State in this game. Uh, Steve, the shrimp man, he's going to give us his. He has a couple of some parlays he's going to give out. His shrimp cocktail parlays. Let's see your college one this week. Before I do that, I do want to touch on uh, one thing, you know, getting uh-huh. back to that. You know, Ed Ogeron, I think he's going to try to spoon feed this Miles Brennan, get him in there and, and take his time with him and run the ball a lot. I I feel that if Ed Ogeron thinks that he can win this game scoring 21 or 24 points, he's sadly mistaken. I think LSU must score in the 30s to win this game because Mike Leach will be winging it. He's going to probably throw the ball 40 to 50 times, and LSU better be ready because if they're going to – he's coming in there to make a statement, I promise you. It's his first game in the SEC, and I'm sure he's heard that he can't coach in the SEC, and Mike Leach has won every way he's been. So there's no reason for me to think he won't be successful in the SEC, especially if he comes up with any type of defense. Exactly, but, and that's what I was going to say. I mean, he will score points against everybody. It's just kidding. And he'll have better chance. He'll recruit better athletes to play defense because you know, obviously, in the SEC, you got to, you got to, you know, it's more of a little, it's, it's more of the tougher, you know, grind it out, you know, in the trenches conference rather than maybe like the Pac-10 or the WAC or something where everything just sort of like, you know, not not a lot of defense played out there. So, you know, Mississippi State might surprise a lot of people this year. Don't be shocked; they might win seven, eight, nine games. So, we'll see. Yeah, I wouldn't shock me a bit because, I mean, I love Mike Leach as a coach. I think he's a innovative, creative guy, and he's got, got a set of balls on him. He ain't scared to go for it. You know, good. You know, I, I love him as a coach. All right, well, let's, let's get to your pick here. We'll, huh. let's, hit, let's hit up the shrimp cocktail parlay for week Well, you know, the shrimp cocktail parlay last week wasn't too successful. I had my best play got scratched. Houston got scratched because Baylor come up with COVID. So that was my best play and uh, wasn't able to watch it. And then my second best play was Oklahoma State, and the quarterback gets knocked out on third play of the game. So let's just say last week was a total disaster. But anyway, this week I, I feel I feel a lot better about my plays. I mean, I'm going to give you a three-team shrimp cocktail parlay with my, my best play, of course, being Houston again. Um, I think they, like I said, later 21 and a half, and I feel like it's a – it's a real strong play. I mean, just on what I see on paper. Um, and I uh, I really like Mississippi State plus the points. I think that's a shot there for an outright win. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. We've already seen a few double-digit dogs win the first couple weeks. I mean, it's not nothing shocking. The odds makers don't really have a good grasp on these teams yet. And uh, my third play, I, I like Kentucky, the Wildcats. I think uh, that's going to be a really close game. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise me that if they went into Auburn and won by a field goal, but I think it's going to be a field goal game either way, you know. So, well, there you have that. So, I gave out Mississippi State plus the points. And Steve the Shrimp Man, his shrimp cocktail parlay, gave out Houston minus the points, Kentucky and Mississippi State plus the points. So, get out there and let's let's make those plays, guys, and let's do something with that. Now on to the NFL. Week three. Not a lot of trends I'm going with this week. I'm just going with, you know, I graded each I grade each game out and I come out and I, you know, I compare my grades to each week and the matchups coming up. 
I like Seattle. I like Arizona. I like Washington. We already touched on Seattle minus probably four and a half right now, four, four and a half. You know, Seattle's consistent. You know, Russell Wilson is a playmaker, and he's he, he, he's a grinder. And, you know, I've been watching Dallas for week one and two. They, you know, Dallas probably had no business coming back and winning that game against Atlanta. Atlanta, But Atlanta's been doing that for the last 10 years. They just can't seem to close the door to anybody. And I watched Dallas. They got too many holes in their defense. And Dak Prescott's too inconsistent for me. Period. End of story. He will never take Dallas anywhere. So, you know, take Seattle later points. Arizona at home against Detroit. You know, I, I wasn't a big Colin Murray fan, but I got to say this kid is playing good. He, their offense is rolling. It's, it's rolling on all cylinders. Kingsbury's calling good games. Murray is executing. The receivers are catching the ball. They're running the ball. Detroit has problems. You know, I had I, I liked them in week one against Green Bay. They had great a great trend against them. Went up 14-0 and couldn't do nothing after. They just folded the tents. Can't explain why. And then this past week, you know, they they another bad game for them. I, I think they have a lot of problems up in Detroit. And now they got to go to Arizona, who's probably one of the hottest teams in the league. I mean, they go up to Frisco and beat them. And they beat, you know, they beat Washington last week. So, you know, this could this could be a route. I mean, this is like – this is the kind of game I'm going to lay to six. I know Arizona's going to win the game. I'm not worried about Detroit upsetting them. Lay to six, and they should cover. That's the way I look at it. As far as my third pick, the Redskins – you know, I'm not a Haskins fan. I just don't think he's a good quarterback. But I am very, very impressed with Washington's defense. They played a great first week against Philly. They sacked, they sacked Carson Wentz like six times. And this past week, they were on the field all game. Could not get the defense off. And they hung in there. They hung in there. They played a good game this past week. And I'm impressed with their defense. And I think it's going to be a it's going to be a little a much better result this week playing a Cleveland Brown team that you know I don't really know where they're going with this season right now. You know they had they got technically the same town as last year. They had had a horrible play caller in Freddie Kitchens. You know they bring in um, what's the guy's name from offense coordinator from Minnesota. I'm uh, thinking Stefanski. Yeah, Samansky. Yeah, I'm thinking they're going to be better, and they've just been horrible on offense, inconsistent. Mayfield's throwing the ball over the place. They can't pass block. You know, their defense has given up a lot of yards and a lot of points. I think this could be the um, this could be the week that Washington goes in and beats this team. I think their defense is going to they quick on defense and they're aggressive and they shoot the gaps and they get penetration. And I think they're going to give Mayfield some fits. I think they're going to be a lot of three and outs. I think there's going to be some turnovers. And I think what they're going to do with Haskins, they'll, they'll get the ball and they're going to try to establish some nice control drives. And I think they'll put some points up. They could win the game this week. So I like Washington plus the seven. I like Arizona minus the six. And I like Seattle minus the four and a half. Steve, just for me, you're up. Let's see what you got. 
I would say the only thing that I disagree with, I, I think Seattle wins, but I would be a little leery laying those points because they like to win. Pete Carroll likes to win them, grind them out close games, and, and you're, he gives, you're absolutely up, right. gives up yeah. them back doors like he did against, you know, New England this past week. You're never safe with them because, you know, either they win him by two touchdowns or, you know, 10 points and they let a team get a cheap one at the end or they come in from behind and Russell Wilson makes the miracle drive at the end of the game to, to, to steal it, you know. So you got to be careful laying more than a field goal with Seattle at any yeah. any time of the year against anybody just about really because they uh-huh. want to play to the level of their competition. But at the end of the day, they are a better team and they've got a better coach, better quarterback. But I'd just be a little careful laying the points in that spot. But I yeah. do totally agree with everything you said about Arizona. They're a team on the rise. And don't think Frisco coming up with all of these injuries didn't give them a little boost in confidence because the door opened for them now. They they feel like it's them in Seattle, not in that division. So that had to definitely help their psyche. And uh, they're already confident. So I think Detroit's in for a long day Sunday. Uh, so, but my, my plays are uh, the two the, – well, actually three games that I'm looking at uh, – I like Minnesota this week. I think uh, I just don't know what's going on with this team. I mean, I, I like Mike Zimmer as a coach. Uh, I'm not a huge Kirk Cousins fan, but I do believe he's still a top half quarterback uh, in the league. I think they, I think they come ready to play this week at home. This is this is definitely a spot for them if if they don't get off the mat this week. They finished. I mean, and I, I, I just feel like the line's kind of telling you, you know, I think most of the squares are going to take Tennessee in the points thinking they're stealing. Kind of like last week they took Minnesota in the points against Indy, thought they were stealing. I I think Minnesota's the play. I think it's just a, it's a good spot for Minnesota. People wrote them off. And, I mean, it's basically the same team that went in the Superdome and beat the Saints in the playoffs. I mean, it ain't, there's not many – many subtractions from that team. So what's changed? I mean, I think I think they get it together this week and win the game at home outright. And uh, I think Philadelphia is another team. I think they're going to get right this week. I mean, they got a horrible Cincinnati team coming in there. Uh, I mean, Joe Burrow is looking good. I mean, I think he's going to have a pretty good season this year. But, I mean, let's face it, he's got nothing around him. They got a horrible defense. They got receivers that can't catch. They got offensive linemen that can't block. I mean, I mean, he threw the ball like 60 times last the, the last game they played on Thursday night against Cleveland. I mean, he looked pretty good, but I just don't like his chances if he's got to drop back that many times against Philadelphia. I think Philly at home laying less than a touchdown is definitely a good a good bet. And my third bet, I like the Saints. Like I said, I I think it's a good spot for them. It's a bounce back game. It's one of those deals where no team's as good or as bad as they looked the week before. I think, like I said, the line at one point was six. Now it's three. So I feel like the value is definitely the Saints in this spot. Now, I kind of agree with with your buddy uh, about the Saints long term. I'm not a – I don't see them going far, but I think this week is definitely a good spot for them. Yeah, looking at your games – um. The Vikings, I, I, I'm still confused on them because, like you said, I mean, they went to Dome last year and beat the Saints, and they got the same team back. And I know they had some injuries, but I just can't figure out what happened to them in week one and two. It's, it's, it's baffling. But, you know, they have, they have to win. 
And I think I think if teams who are playing bad, who have the best nucleus and the best te- all-around team, would be this spot with Minnesota. I agree with you. I think they ought to play this week against Tennessee. Um, you know, Tennessee, Tennessee is sort of leveled out. They, they, they played good last year. They had a nice little year, and they do the same thing this year. They haven't impressed me enough to get over that edge to be one of those elite teams. They're going to be in that second-tier area. And I think Zimmer and and the Viking team will get back on track this week. I'm really not a big Kirk Cousins fan either. So if they can just, you know, try to keep him from, you know, making some bad throws and decisions, you know, if you don't turn the ball over, I think Minnesota's probably going to win this game straight up. As far as the Bengals and Eagles, you know, to me, it's a wait, it's a watch and see game. I mean, you, you know, you're right. The Bengals really don't have that much talent. Burrow's been looking real good as a rookie. I mean, he, you know, and Joe Brady coaching the tutelage he's got is really paid off for him. You know, Philadelphia's another team. You know, a lot of talent. They just can't seem to get it together. I mean, yeah. You know, obviously Washington exposed their offensive line. You know, they sacked. They sacked went six times. You know, I don't know if the Bengals how much pressure they're going to put on. Probably Eagles do win the game. I don't know with the points yet. I think it's a good watch to see game for me. As far as the Saints, look, I agree. I gave you the trend at the beginning of the show. You know, 12-0 and 0 against the spread in the month of October and 18-0 and 0 against the spread the last three years, weeks three through eight. So need I say more. And although I like my three picks, I will be making a play on the Saints and I'm going to play them the next six weeks. And I'm going to ride this trend and see what happens. So, that'll wrap up the show for this week. I want to say thanks, Steve the Shrimp Man, for coming on. And we're going to be doing our show on Wednesday evenings, every Wednesday now, like we're doing today. So, we will see you next week. Get out there, make those bets, make that money, and we're out. <laughs>